Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. Um, we are at week 10 in this year's uh, structured uh, Truth the Happiness Dhamma study. Um, there's about 350 restored suttas on the website, and every one of them is significant um, in developing and contributes to our developing an understanding of the first noble truth and of all four noble truths. Um, but tonight's class is one of the most important classes that we teach. And I can tell you, and I think our other, there's four other teachers here tonight, five other teachers, um, that it is always one or all of these hindrances that take a Dhamma student away from the Dhamma, always. And this is something that the Buddha taught. He taught it often because it's important. And if we want to engage in right intention and right effort, we'll be mindful of these hindrances and we won't let them stop our Dhamma practice. Um, I'm going to read. I know you all read this week's class, except maybe Jen, because she just got here. Did you all read this week's? <laughs> well, you're going to hear it again. The second and sixth factors of the Eightfold Path, right intention and right effort, greatly support your overall Dhamma practice. Maintaining the strong resolve of right intention and engaging in right effort will provide the framework needed to develop and maintain a Dhamma practice. Right intention is holding in mind the intention to put aside clinging, aversion, and delusional thinking, thinking and awaken to the true nature of reality and the true nature of being a mature human being in this one life that we get. So the the this points to the utter practicality of the Eightfold Path. There's nothing magical or mystical. Um, there's nothing unachievable about integrating the Eightfold Path. All that it takes is continued and consistent Dhamma practice and not letting these hindrances that we're going to get to in just a moment. <coughs> <coughs> these hindrances that we're going to get to in just a moment and not allow them to hinder your practice. Excuse me. Jeff and Adam, it's good to see you both there. Being mindful of right intention and right effort, you make a commitment to meditation, to jhana practice, and developing your understanding of the Eightfold Path. Again, that's just another simple description of what we're doing. Jhana practice and the other seven factors of the Eightfold Path. That's Ultimately, that's all that we teach as Dhamma practice, though at times I hear that it can seem overwhelming. Uh, this is just um, good instructions for those that really want to develop the Dhamma to its completion, which is awakening or full human maturity. Put aside set times, preferably twice a day for jhana practice. It is most effective to meditate as soon as possible after waking before becoming distracted or sidetracked by your daily routine. Doing this consistently begins to diminish your conditioned mind's need for distraction. So instead of reaching for your phone or turning on the radio, et cetera, et cetera, sit, just sit. And whether it's 
two minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, or a half hour. That is the beginning of your Dhamma practice, but you cannot do it without it. But that's not all there is to Dhamma practice. Right effort, the sixth factor of the Eightfold Path, is keeping yourself in fit physical and mental condition as well. Getting enough rest, eating healthy and physical exercise are all part of right effort, meaning just taking care of this body, this form. Any exercise as support for Dhamma practice and, uh, and walking meditation in quotes is a skillful way to combine exercise and mindful movement. But there's no true, there's no such thing as um, walking meditation, although it's widely taught. Walking is walking, jhana meditation is sitting quietly. Tai Chi and Qigong, we have, we're, we are fortunate, and I'm not just saying this because Matt's sitting here, but we are so fortunate to have a true Tai Chi, well, he might not agree with it, but I'm gonna call him a true Tai Chi and Qigong master. He really is outstanding. So any of you that come into the, or that are in the French town area, um, that is a skillful um, support to Dhamma practice. And, and I would really say um, one of the few things that, that I think it's okay to associate with, in fact, I think associating with match Qigong practice is very wise. Keep in mind that there is no effective substitute for jhana practice, jhana meditation. Bringing the body to stillness greatly supports a calm and tranquil mind. We're simply exampling that, aren't we? When we sit in meditation, we take a breath, we unite our mind and our body, even for just that brief moment, we're interrupting the conditioned thinking that would have us continually grasp after. And so these are the common hindrances. And I'm going to relate that back to jhana practice in a moment. The first hindrance the Dhamma practice is the need for this moment, the immediate need for sensory or sensual desire right here, right now. I want something or I want something to be different. And that will always take us off our cushion. But jhana practice will, will bring that, will help subside that the need for sensual desire immediately will help quiet it. And eventually it will fall away. The second hindrance to practice is ill will. And so I would say the, the um, it, it's typically external ill will. I don't like such and such a person that we recognize first. But ultimately, as our minds become well concentrated and calmer, we'll start recognizing very subtle aspect of ill will towards ourselves. And that's when you hear me say that the common human problem, the most devastating thing that affects human beings is self-loathing. We think we're not good enough. And if we have a human life, if we're here standing on this planet, you are all good enough. There's no explanation you need to make for yourself in this world. We're human beings and we live human lives. And nobody should suggest otherwise, but mostly we shouldn't suggest to ourselves that we're not complete and whole. There's nothing broken with us. There's nothing we need to add. There's nothing we need to take away. What we do need to do is to understand Four Noble Truths. That's what the most important thing a human being can do. So ill will towards others is going to take us away from practice. But ultimately, it's ill will towards ourselves that will destroy our practice. The next um, hindrance follows that um, sloth, I mean, kind of strange words, excusing. Sloth, torp, torpor or drowsiness. But really what those words mean is just laziness. We're just too lazy um, to sit or we might be too lazy um, and we or we think we just don't have enough time to do the other things like come to Dhamma class and study the Dhamma and listen to talks um, or read the suttas. Um, and 
um, anybody that puts in that effort will develop the Dhamma. We, we, we're going to do a, one of the, the, the sutta we're looking at this weekend, the Anapanasate Sutta and the Satipatthana Sutta, the, the fall uh, hybrid retreat, all, contain, all say that if you do this, if you do this, in Buddha's words, if you do this, you will awaken in this lifetime. We're not doing this so we gain merit so a, a, a thousand lifetimes in the future I can have something called awakening. There is no life in the future past this life that we should consider. There may be, but it has nothing to do with Dhamma practice. We're here to awaken in this lifetime. And I would say in this moment. And correct Dhamma practice brings that about. And those that have been with us a little bit while and have been practicing the Dhamma will say that. And maybe we should, those that have been here a while, can talk about what that means, what awakening really means, what it feels like, how you go out in the world as an awakening human being, maybe not quite there, but a much more mature and calm, calmer human being than you've ever been. And I think a lot of you would say that. The next hindrance is, is restlessness and worry. Our minds are just too busy and we're too afraid or we're too concerned about the next moment. And we simply say, well, I, my mind is too jumbled. I can't practice. I'm too, I'm too worried about my job tomorrow. I'm too worried about a date I'm going on on Friday night, or I'm worried about the rent, or I'm worried about this, or I'm worried about that. Stop it. Recognize that as a hindrance. And if you're worried about anything, that object is what you're taking personally. That subject is what you're taking personally. Look at it. Recognize it as not you, not mine. This is not what you are. And let it go. Because anything that we take personally is going to hinder our Dhamma practice. And it will manifest as one of these five things. The last one is, and probably the second most widespread hindrance, is doubt, uncertainty, or skepticism. Your own or others. Let me read a little bit more. The first hindrance to establishing a meditation practice is distraction from sensual desire. Distracted by things that appeal to the senses prevents the meditator from being mindful of practice. You simply think that I have to go get this, whatever it might be. I can't sit right now. And every time that you have that distraction of sensual desire, excuse me, or <clears throat> wanting things to be different than they are is another word for words for sensual desire. That is the most important time to take a breath and remind yourself that object of my desire is not me, is not mine, and it's not worth me chasing after during jhana practice. Let it go. Your mind at first may want to avoid meditation. When you meditate, despite this common tendency, you begin to gain control of your mind and your life. So every time you tell yourself that you're too busy to sit, even for five minutes, remind yourself that, that if you sit, you'll start to gain control of your mind and you'll sit more and more often. If you give into that, that you're just too busy or you just don't have five minutes to sit or 10 minutes or 20 or 30, you have no Dhamma practice. Again, it sounds a little simple, but if you want Dhamma practice that includes jhana meditation, you have to begin with jhana meditation. In meditation, you may be distracted by an infinite number of craving thoughts. Whatever craving thoughts arise, recognize desire as a distraction. It always is. Remain mindful of the thought or thoughts, recognizing that they are a hindrance to practice. These thoughts are as impermanent as any other thought. The problem is we're so enamored with our thinking because we think our thinking is us that we have trouble letting go of any even one thought. 
because of self-identification are taking it personally. But again, Dharma practice, ongoing Dharma practice, resolves that issue where nothing else will. Dispassionately let go, let thoughts go and return your mindfulness to your breathing. This is the basic practice. And continued practice will diminish sensory desire and return the mind to its natural calm and well-concentrated state. So there's nothing we any, we else we need to do in jhana practice, but do it. Next, ill will or holding harsh judgments, anger and resentment towards others or yourself can make it almost impossible to practice because all you do is you sit you, and you're, you um, reaffirm and justify why you hate somebody or why you hate yourself. And you can come up with a long list of things. Always, every human being can, can do that. Every human being has failed enough to blame themselves for those failure. When all the failure means is that you're having a human life. It means you're trying things. This is good. We should, we should try and we should fail and we should succeed. But we shouldn't take any of it personally. Because it will be a whole hell of a lot more fun to fail when you're not taking it personal. I can guarantee that. <laughs> it's better to fail when you're not taking it personal than when you are. Put it that way. And it's also better to succeed when you're not taking it personal. Right? The, the, the big head syndrome. What are we succeeding at? I mean, it's good to, to succeed in whatever your endeavor is to, to, to follow your, um, your right mind out into the world and achieve things as long as you don't take it personal. As long as you don't take it personal. Because all of it resolves in a thought, no matter what it is that you're clinging to. Recognize that the cause of ill will is your own desire that the people and events of your life be different than they are or that you perceive them to be. There's a lot of anger in the world today. And all of that is because we're taking it personal. We're blaming other people for how we feel. That's that is an immature mind. Does everybody understand that? And awakening is full human maturity. Blaming other people for how you feel is immature, isn't it? And who does it hurt? Sometimes it hurts other people. Sometimes it leads to wars. But initially, it hurts the person who's blaming others for how they feel. And if you do that, in a very real sense, you've lost your mind because there's no basis in reality for blaming the other people for how you feel. In the same way, there's no basis in reality for blaming yourself. How could there be? That's self-loathing, isn't it? It's not treating ourselves with gentleness and kindness. It's not treating ourselves as we hope. We should be treated as we hope other people should treat us. But if you really want other people to treat you with gentleness and kindness and compassion, you got to start doing it yourself or you'll never recognize it when it's out there. It has to be inside you. You have to own it. As your awareness of the origins of ill will increase, maintain a mind of equanimity, a nice, calm and balanced mind. As best as you can, remain free of judgment of the people and events of your life. This takes right effort and consistent practice. And with time, you can free yourself of the, the hindrance of ill will. Practicing meta is also helpful. We, you, if you're having trouble with ill will, go on the website and listen to the recording on meta or just read it. It's always helpful. It always helps to break through that. And meta, is an ex, meta is an example of how an awakened human being lives in the world. The sutta that we're teaching this weekend over the retreat, the Anapanasate Sutta, is the sutta itself is an example of what it looks like to be awakened and how to do it. Very simple, very basic. 
Um, drowsiness or laziness affects everyone at one time or another. It is most skillful to recognize this as aversion to practice. Some people, and I've heard this a lot, that they say that they're just too tired at the end of the day to practice, even though they might, the end of the day might be five, six, or seven o'clock, and they still got four more hours left in their day. They feel tired because that's aversion to what they're supposed to do. The mind works that way. If it doesn't want to do something, it can get very, very tired. Recognize it. This is an ego, ego's way of avoiding the freedom that will arise from consistent practice. If drowsiness or sleepiness is an occasional problem, it is appropriate to rest for a while and then resume jhana. Check your posture, lying down or, or not sitting up straight can contribute to drowsiness. Skip that part. Restlessness and worry can be difficult hindrances to overcome, but persistence will show results. If restlessness and worry have risen to the level of anxiety, it may be best to meditate for shorter periods of time, but more often. So often, if your mind is very restless or you're full of worry, you just can't sit for 10, 15, 20, or 30 minutes. But try two or three minutes, three or four or five times during the day. And eventually, you'll start deepening your concentration and break through even something like restlessness and worry. Remind yourself that just for the time you're meditating, you will put aside restlessness and anxiety and maintain your awareness on your breath. Again, the things that you're worried about, if you want to worry about them, you can worry about them after jhana, can't you? They'll still be there. But try and use jhana meditation to deepen your concentration. And <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and every time in jhana that you recognize that you're, you're caught up in your thinking, you, you attach the thought to a feeling maybe, and that gave you on a run. Every time you recognize that, even if it's for 12 minutes and you take a breath, that's jhana practice, and that will increase your med your concentration. So it, it's not necessarily that you start your meditation and all that you are is mindful of your breath for 5, 10, 15, 20, or 30 minutes. That's great if you can do it, but I can't do it. I don't know if anybody else can do it. But that's not jhana practice. Jhana practice is recognizing when you're caught up in your thoughts or distracted by a feeling and you take a breath. You're deepening your concentration. Doubt, uncertainty, and skepticism can be hindrances at any stage of dharma practice. And I've seen it. I've seen doubt take people that had three, four, five, ten years away. Great doubt. And there's a, um, and the only reason I'm saying this is a, there's a, a, a well-established worldwide Buddhist practice that is mostly focused on generating doubt as if that's a good thing to do. Maybe it is, but it's not what the Buddha taught. Great doubt can deepen one's practice if the doubt is allowed to be a part of practice, meaning lending doubt, letting doubt be doubt and, and be mindful of continuing with practice. So if you have doubt, it's okay to be doubtful, but continue your practice and recognize that. Recognize it that it could be a hindrance or you could just let it be there and eventually it will fall away. This is important too. Other people's skepticism can be a hindrance as well, especially people that do not understand the Dhamma or the purpose of jhana meditation, right? I mean, any as human beings, we tend to be skeptical of things we don't understand. And by associating with that type of skepticism, you can lose your Dhamma practice. The most effective way to work through uncertainty, doubt, and skepticism is to engage in practice wholeheartedly without any unrealistic expectations. Another way of saying being gentle with yourself. 
Examine your motivation for practice. Is your intention for engaging in meditation practice and, and the Dhamma practice to put aside craving and desire born of ignorance of your true nature, or is it to fix an ego self or to relax or to gain some kind of magical insight? That's not it. Uncertainty and skepticism will arise if your view or intention is to fix a broken or flawed self can't be done because there's nothing broken or flawed just as human beings the only um real condition is a lack of concentration and we're we we have a lack of concentration as human beings because we're naturally caught up in eye making we think that's the game but it's not you meditate to mindfully develop concentration and develop awareness of all your clinging craving aversion and desire Hindrances or distractions will arise. They will have no permanent effect on your practice if you persevere. Hindrances are recognized mind states to be aware of. They're, they're, um, they're mental fabrications, if you will, that follow from the form of feeling, a perception of the feeling leading to a mental fabrication that is now manifesting as one of these hindrances. As long as you continue with your practice, hindrances will arise and then subside until they are no longer a part of your practice. By putting aside resistance to Dhamma practice, you will strengthen your resolve and begin to diminish your mind's natural tendency to resist a quiet and spacious mind developed by a true and effective meditation and Dhamma practice. <clears throat> <coughs> Always avoid judging yourself or your practice harshly. Do the best you can and be gentle with yourself. Maintain a consistent Dhamma practice within the framework of the Eightfold Path, and you will develop lasting peace and happiness. One last thing, joining a like-minded community of Dhamma practitioners, like we're doing right now, greatly supports individual practice. I'm going to stop there and just remind you that the Buddha always and consistently said throughout his 45 years teaching that no one can develop the Dhamma without the support of the Sangha. And one of the things that I think is it's one of the most remarkable things of my lifetime is to be a part of this Sangha because I've been at this a long time and it's the, uh, it's the only Sangha that I know that is actually practicing what the Buddha taught, or at least what we think the Buddha taught, or at least what I think the Buddha taught and our other teachers. So um, whenever you feel something taking you away from Dhamma practice, or if you're having trouble just in your jhana practice, your jhana meditation, Look back at this and maybe listen to it again, but recognize these hindrances are common human problems. That's why we teach them. And don't let them take you away from John, from Dhamma practice. That's all. Thank you. Um, let's go with Jane first. Jane, how are you tonight? You always love going first. I do? All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, John. It's nice to have you back in the captain's chair. Hey. Uh, um. Now, I never thought I could be a meditator. I mean, that was the furthest thing from my mind. And uh, now I look forward to it. I mean, but I think the most important thing is I see the benefits. I mean, you yeah. asked people to talk about it. I see. I saw the benefits immediately. Yeah. But I needed to meditate before I could begin to understand the Dhamma. Yes. My mind was just so full of so much... And I needed to have that quieting of the mind. So. Maybe you can't answer this, um, 
because it might be too amorphous. But do you remember? Can you remember how long it took you from beginning your Dharma practice until you felt like you could start in integrating? Excuse me. Integrating the eightfold path into your life. Can you can you get a number? Put a number on that. I mean, I think it was just a gradual thing. It, I I would almost say had immediate. I could see immediate relief, you know, and it just got better and better. Yeah. As your mind became more, more well concentrated. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Jane. I'm just going to go across the screen and say, I say hi to Kevin next. Hey, it's hi, John. Thanks for the teaching. Very timely. Um, you know, these hindrances are good to check in with, as you said, it's they're, they're normal human problems. And as life occurs sometimes they occur so yeah that's it we just don't let them stop us thanks dama teacher kevin hello jeff didn't realize i was next going across the screen there you got a different screen than mine yeah you're next um yeah no the the meditation i think is what uh was a missing ingredient for my Dhamma practice. Uh, I have no formal background in Buddhism, uh, more casual curiosity and interest in reading over the years. And the, the missing ingredient for me was the, the, the lesson in dependent origination, but more importantly, the jhana practice. And, um, uh, uh, it's it's like a lifeline for me, really. Um, it it doesn't take much to prompt me to go find a quiet place and sit. Now, now, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Who's that guy next to you? Hey, John. What do you say, Adam? I'm good. Just wanted to tell you thanks for the teaching, but I, I I'd like to pass tonight. That's uh, that's fine. I'm glad you joined us, my friend. Thanks, John. Well, give me a call tomorrow if you can, Adam, or even tonight if you'd like. All right. I'll give you a call. Good, good, good. How are you, Lucius? I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, I've uh, – the those five hindrances are, have uh, – especially the, the, the two through four or two through five uh, have really uh, been – kept me i've been trying to meditate for years and years and years uh and they have in different ways have kept me kept me from meditating you know ill will maybe i would get uh uh an uh, ill will toward the teacher or i would get lazy and not want to do it restless anxiety most definitely and, and skepticism and doubt all those have been huge hindrances for me over the years. Um, I think part of it is I'm just getting older <laughs> and, and I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to uh, continue meditating regardless. Of those hindrances. So, Are you using the guided meditations on the website? Yeah, I have been. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Always a pleasure, my friend. Good to yeah, see you. I'll try to I'll try to continue even if I get upset with you, John. That's okay. You know, you, <laughs> you can you can throw things at me. I can still duck. Okay? 
Thank you. Dama teacher Brian, how are you? Good. Bob and Weave, John. Bob and Weave. <laughs> uh i'm i'm with jeff i i just want to meditate all day at this point that seems to be a <laughs> challenge with work but uh we'll figure that out eventually um i it, it was a light bulb for me i don't know when it was that the hindrances were just these impermanent states of mind that arise and pass away and they don't have any any value other than what we assign to it yep and you know developing that concentration just allows you to see these these states arise and then eventually pass away and they don't they lose their their hold and the word in the chapter that really sticks with me is persistence yeah. and just sticking with it and it and that gets back into the intention and the effort and the understanding yeah. that that enables that that persistence and again it's this self-supporting matrix of factors that all work together um to develop the concentration and understanding so thank you thank you and and you your sangha was via zoom right yep yep and it still worked you know but the, i think you would yeah. say the key was that you were part of a sangha that was that's well right. focused yeah that's right uh thank you brian jen do you do you want to be on camera and you don't have to say anything but you're we'd love to hear what you have to say can i Put you on camera. Uh, sure. Yeah. Welcome to, to Jen, our newest Sangha member. I think you're on air. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Jen. Um, it's nice to be here with everybody and hear everyone's experience. Um, this is my first time here and um, come with the flow. Yeah, that's the right attitude. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel anything that was intimidating or overwhelming? Yeah. Again, you have the, the that your attitude is the, is the best way to develop the dhamma, being gentle with yourself and just going with the flow. And uh, I hope you continue with us. There's going to be classes that do might challenge you, but there's a reason for that. You know, our our ego self needs to be challenged and needs to be brought under control under control so i'm glad you joined this and you don't have to i do that because i do it you don't have to if you feel uncomfortable i don't feel happy birthday to how does that song go happy birthday to you happy birthday dear Rob. He's, he's 74 isn't he happy birthday my happy friend birthday. One more year to go before I'm officially old. <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm officially old. I think. <laughs> I, um, I think the most important thing in these hindrances is when you see one of them come up, is to just recognize it's it's just a hindrance. Yeah. This is this is part of it's part of practice actually. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you can recognize them, you know, you have to recognize it as a, as a hindrance mm -hmm. before you can truly effectively do something about it. Yeah. You need concentration to do that. And you need concentration to do that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, 
Yeah, for me, laziness was was part of it, but there there was a. Um, I'd argue that point, but I'll let you have it. Well, but there was a stubbornness um, in there, which is really, which is nothing but a. That was really clinging to precepts and practices. Yep, next next class. Um, but it's it took me a while to recognize that I was just dealing with the hindrance. Yeah. It's all it was. You know, yeah. Trying to do something that 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 was just not doable and it was very frustrating. But <clears throat> To recognize it as a hindrance, uh, that took a while. Yeah. But then again, you know, I, luckily I, I have a, a, a mindset that, that makes it easy to establish habits. That's just how I, I deal with things. Um, and I find that's, that's a, a useful thing to have, is the, the ability to establish habits. And I would say, as in relation to your Dharma practice, your ability to establish a habit is a big part of right effort. Yes. And that's what you had a you had great doubt, I think, for many years, but you didn't let it mm -hmm. stop you. Right. You know, and that was yeah. it was your continued right effort that eventually got you to a very meaningful um, awakening, if you will, mm -hmm. an understanding of yourself. I'm sorry to put words in your mouth. Yeah. Down, no, but, that's that's. Yeah. And when you think about it, if I'm stuck in, say, ill will, and I just can't seem to get past it, mm -hmm. all that that is is a thought. Yeah. It seems solid. It seems like this is a real thing. I have to mm -hmm. hate myself or hate somebody else, or maybe we don't want to call it hate, but it's aversion anyway, isn't it? But it's still just a thought. Right. And it takes another thought to maintain that thought, doesn't it? On and on and on and on, where concentration cuts the thought. Right. And that's the end of that hindrance. And that's why it works that way. All, all the time that I spend um, wanting to prove you wrong. Yeah. You know, uh, and that was skillful Dhamma practice to do so. There was right. nothing wrong with it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, well, you but couldn't. But I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I also had the, the somehow I, I had developed a, a um, some kind of an internal honesty that mm. to, to recognize that um, I a was just trying to prove you wrong and B uh, I couldn't yeah. and then C I'd better get on with it yeah because this is the thing this is what I you know spent 50 years looking for yeah and it, you just mentioned skepticism mm -hmm. and and it was okay because you kept practicing. If right. your skepticism took you off your cushion, that would have been okay to us, right? Yeah. But you would have lost the benefit of the Dhamma. You know, skepticism works if combined with honesty, yeah. with an, an internal honesty. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I want to investigate. It was more, the, 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 the difference between skepticism and investigating is, uh, is pretty thin. Yeah. Um, and, and when that skepticism is still backed up by right effort, yeah. then it is investigation then. Yeah. Uh, and it works. It works well. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
happy birthday one more time. I like saying it. Tell my teacher, David. Oh, John. How are you? Really think these hindrances through. You're describing greed, aversion, mm -hmm. and deluded thinking. Yep. It just falls into those three buckets. And it's our misunderstanding of impermanence and us wanting it to be different than what it is. Yeah. So you rebel against it. Investigation is a fine line to skepticism. But that's delusion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when we develop this practice, and this practice is simply sitting, gaining that concentration so you can be mindful of these hindrances as they arise. And because they're impermanent, they'll pass away. Yeah. They have no power over you. So, unless you give them power. Unless you give them power. Yeah. So this isn't a spectacular practice. This is a very simple, yeah. common sense, gentle practice. It's not giving you any special powers. It's just clarity. Yeah. Clarity to see at that moment the origin of that ill will yeah. is simply our eye making. Yeah. And you're not supposed to wrestle it down. You just are supposed to understand it. Understand it, and abandon. Then it is abandoned. That's, abandoned. that's the act of abandonment. You're, you're not like throwing it down. It just yeah, it's not doesn't have any power anymore. Yeah. So yeah. that that's the promise of this practice, and the work you have to put into it is the light lifting. Once you start seeing the benefits of it. Yeah. And even when I first started, I had a blind faith to. It because I bought into it, yeah. But it didn't quite make sense. But then, as my concentration gained, my personal experience was able to be connected to it, and that's that's when it flipped over to a simple life, a gentle life. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, another tough question I got to ask you then. What hindrances, if any, still come up for you? Uh, Excuse me. I think it's great that you got to think about it. Uh, of course, ill will is always there just because uh, I'm not enlightened. But other than that, uh, that's. That's probably it at this point. That's pretty good. And the result and I'm aware is aware of it. I'm not. Uh, I don't punish myself. Yeah. I'm not. I don't judge myself. It. It's there. It arises, and as quickly as it arises, it passes away. Yeah. And that's that restraint that you develop. That I don't go into this, you know, being harsh with myself about the past, or killing myself over the future. I can just simply let it be because I'm aware of it. Yeah. And that's that, that's what this practice is. It's not like Matt always says, you know, you're not trying to fix it, change it. You're just trying to understand how you got there and then yeah. just be aware of it. So. Yeah. And eventually it yields because you realize when you're, when you can practice as you're describing, 
then you can see the eye making in the ill will. And that is what allows it to just vanish. Yeah. Because it dissipates with, rather quickly. Yeah. And your the benefits of your practice is a greatly diminished um, constant selfing, you know, in your own mind. Mm -hmm. And that's what leads to calm. Mm -hmm. Thank, you. Thank you. Great answer. Dharma teacher Matt. Hey John, thanks for the teaching. Um, really good to see everybody here and, and hear everybody online and here in class. Um, it's been my experience that even five minutes twice a day, if you practice in this way that we're instructed here, you will develop calm. When you develop calm, you will start to develop concentration. When you start to develop concentration, you will start to develop stability of mind. When you have stability of mind, the frequency and duration of the hindrances arising decreases. And Ehipasiko. See for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Try it. Yeah. You know, it's 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 something that if you do it, you will receive the benefit of it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Thank you, my friend. That was the Buddha used that word that Matt just said, ehipasiko, often because he was reminding us to come and see for yourself. But really what that means is if you want the benefits of Dhamma practice, you have to actually practice the Dhamma, which was in contradiction to the way religions during the Buddha's time, which were mostly based on the Vedas and the Upanishads, and just as today, it's, just, it's the same thing. It's, it, rather than a faith base that all you got to do is show up once in a while and you'll get the benefits in the next life, that's not what the Buddha was interested in. He was interested in understanding what it means to be a human being and how to have a human life before that human life is over. And he figured it out, which I, to me still is the most astonishing thing I think has ever happened to humanity, but I'm likely to say that and believe that. But I think it's true. Um, don't let these hindrances stop you. Come to class, do jhana, and I'll see you all on Saturday, I hope. Peace, my friends. See y'all. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.